This week on Twip Weddings, we're going to be talking about second shooters, the pros and cons of working with a second shooter, how to find them, what to look for in a good second shooter, and best ways to use a second shooter. Plus, we'll share our do's and don'ts when you're acting as the second shooter on a wedding day. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Once again, I'm Bruce Clark, and I am joined by my second shooters slash assistants slash great photographers, Robert Evans, Brian Capricci. Good morning, gentlemen. Hola. Good morning. Hola. Well, you're not actually my second shooters, but you know, but that's that's our topic this week. So we I was trying to be picks. I was trying to be clever with my introduction, and I just that was a fail. <laughs> it worked for me. I'm good with it. Okay, awesome. So, uh, so as I mentioned this week, we're going to change things up a little bit. Um, we're going to change the order of the show a little bit, and we want to get some feedback from you guys. Um, we're actually going to dive into our main topic right off the top, um, and then we'll cover our listener questions and our picks of the week at the end of the show. So we're going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, let us know what you think. We're going to go with this format for the next few episodes, and we'd love to get your feedback on it and hear how we're doing. So this week, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about um, second shooters. We're going to be talking about uh, the, you know, the pros and cons of working with a second shooter, how to find them, what to look for in a good second shooter, um, best ways to use a second shooter, and if you are a second shooter, um, what are some things to, to keep in mind uh, and, and how to be a great second shooter. Uh, but before we get into that, before we dig into that, we just want to remind you um, the number of ways that you can get in touch with us and participate in the show. Um, first off, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings, and there you're going to find the show notes for each episode, and the show notes contain links to everything that we mentioned on the show. Um, you can also leave your comments and feedback for us in the comments section. If you do have a question or a suggestion for a topic for a future episode, you can also email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com or if you're more of the social media type um, just send out a tweet uh, use the hashtag twipwed and we'll check the feed and watch for your posts on Twitter and other social networks and we're also on Instagram if you want you can uh, follow us we're over there at at TwipWed, I posted a photo the other day. Ah, I was going to say, wait, before you say that again, Bruce, are we, are we actually doing something? I, we are. I, I did. I put up a photo the other day awesome. um, from, my, uh, from my mountain shoot that I did when we got stuck in a blizzard. Awesome. And uh, so I did some, some stuff with some backlighting in a freak blizzard snowstorm. So you can check that out me. on Instagram. So Awesome. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into the show. So we want to talk about second shooters. Um, we've kind of briefly mentioned second shooters, you know, in other episodes, but we wanted to take this episode to really kind of dive into it a little bit further, um, share some of our experiences either working as second photographers, second shooters, um, or finding second shooters and finding a good, reliable second shooter. So I want to sort of throw it out just to both of you guys to kind of kick off the conversation. Um, the whole concept of a second shooter, is this something that's that's relatively new or is it has it been around for a while? It seems like nowadays everybody seems to go out with a second shooter. Has it always been that way, Robert? I'm going to throw it to you. You've been kind of, you're the kind of the senior on the uh, of the group here. <laughs> the senior tour. Yeah, yeah. So ha has it always been the case? Has second photographers been kind of the the norm, or is it a relatively new phenomenon? I would say for a long while now. I mean, even when I started assisting when I was training, uh, again, like you know, '88 in the time. I assisted, but you remember we were shooting Hasselblad and film, and so 
I learned to load film backs and hand the photographer stuff, but I didn't really shoot much. And then when I started training, it was more like, here, go shoot dance candidates with the Hasselblad and get used to shooting it, that type of thing. But I wasn't responsible for getting content at the actual event. Um, and then I would say, gosh, when did I start using assistants? I shot weddings for a long time by myself because that's what everybody did back then. Um, and then... Um, I think once I started shooting 35-millimeter film, then it was kind of uh, better to have an assistance. And I think once I started having second shooters, I kind of never really looked back. I think it's kind of a necessity um, because there's people are going to see things that you don't. Um, you know, we can get into all those ideas, but that's kind of what I've told my second shooters. I want you to shoot things that I'm not seeing. You know, if I'm... If I'm doing the one doing the family portraits at the time, like I want you watching the bridal party and the guests and the kids and the, you know, and doing that, you know, don't shoot what I'm shooting type of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I've always used them. It seems inevitably like people have them now. I mean, of course we have, you know, you know, we're talking about it because second shooters is a topic and there's apps sneak peek to my pick of the day <laughs> and you know things like that that revolve around that whole world so um i think this is a great topic to talk about brian how about you this do you think that this is a, a newer phenomenon in terms of the second shooter as opposed to maybe assistance back in the day or is it something that you think's been around for yeah for I, I think i think it is a, a newer phenomenon i mean i haven't been in the industry certainly for as long as robert have i've been a photographer now full-time for about 10 years um and like I remember even when I first got started, it was less of, hey, can I second shoot with you? And more like, hey, can I intern with you? Or can I like sort of apprentice with you? And it was more of like an obvious sort of master apprentice type of model as opposed to a, hey, I have a camera, let me come shoot with you and, and maybe I can use those for my portfolio. Um, so I wonder if sort of just the way that we're, the way that it's presented today is perhaps a little bit newer. I think the idea of it is not necessarily new. We've always had it where you know a photographer would have an assistant with them, and I think even even in that today, second shooter is also used very loosely. I think a lot of photographers that say they have a second shooter are also you know that second shooter is is an assistant or helping them on a wedding day or helping them organize things, and they're not necessarily shooting the whole day either. Um, you know, certainly I'm sure we're going to get into the discussion about sort of whether we use them or not or why and all that kind of thing. Um, but just quickly for me, I actually don't use second shooters. Um, and I, I never actually have, um, very intense. Sorry. I say I never have, I have a, on a couple of occasions, but I do that very intentionally because, uh, for my own reasons and we can talk about those in a little bit, but, um, I, I always like to ask the question. This is something that I'll just, again, encourage to our listeners is like asking the question, why? Right, like with everything that we do, you know, we've talked about this. I remember even back on a previous episode where we were talking about, well, what products should a, a wedding photographer offer? Well, it's like, well, ask yourself, like, what products do you want to offer, right? Or it's like, should I have a second shooter? Ask yourself, why do you want a second shooter? And then I think that will give you greater clarity as to what makes sense for you. So, you know, today the three of us are going to talk about what we do. Um, but I think even with that, you listening at home, you need to think about what makes sense for you, your business model, what can you afford, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So well let's 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 dig in right there then. Why 
why would you use a second shooter versus, say, an assistant? And let's maybe maybe talk about the distinction between those two things. What would be the the difference, I guess, between us? I mean, it's probably fairly obvious, but let's just dig into it. What's the difference really between a second shooter versus as opposed to an assistant? How might you use them differently? In my mind, the distinction is this. A second shooter is there for the couple in terms of they're there to take pictures of the couple, uh, and an assistant is there for me to help me with things, help with workflow, carrying things, getting me things, organizing timelines. So in my mind, it's like, you know, typical when you look at any executive that has an assistant, that assistant is basically there to make that person's life easier. And so on a wedding day, if I have an assistant, their job is to help make my day easier, to carry things, to organize things, to sort things, to give me things, to care, whatever it is. Whereas a second shooter is there to photograph for the couple and sort of be another version of me. I think that's the same thing. The assistant is just there to kind of support in, in whatever role they can. Yep. Whereas the second shooter has a responsibility to capture images and I'm going to hold them accountable for that right. at the end of the day. Right. What about the concept of sort of a hybrid? Can You, you know, the hybrid person who's all, who maybe they're assisting and then like, like Robert said, maybe you're shooting at different parts of the day, like candids during the cocktail hour or something like that. Is that... Yeah, that, that's a model that I use. Um, like So how I said earlier that I don't use second shooters, that's why I corrected myself because my assistant, who happens to be my wife, because she's been with me through every wedding I've ever photographed, um, she's there to assist me primarily, but in the morning she will do some detail shots and sometimes during the ceremony she'll get one shot from the balcony of the bride walking down the aisle. But other than that, uh, for me, I use, I use her primarily as an assistant. But I think that definitely the hybrid role um, is probably more effective for most photographers because I and, and again this could get into the whole debate of whether second shooters are even useful or not but in my opinion for most parts of the day having a second set of eyes isn't all that valuable it's just gonna add clutter it's gonna add overwhelm um, it's gonna add more images that you have to then go and sift through and edit and work with um, whereas in my opinion having an assistant during those times where a second shooter isn't useful is more useful for me. So, so I, I think the, the hybrid approach um, would probably fit most photographers better. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I would, you know, like I would agree. I mean, I, my wife is also my second shooter. Um, I probably use her. She probably is more of a second shooter necessarily than an, than an assistant. Um, in our case, I'll have her photographing. Like I'll, a lot of the weddings we do, um, the brides and grooms tend to get ready in like completely opposite ends of the city or completely opposite locations. So we need to have that second person that's going to go and photograph sort of the groom part getting ready. I usually go with the girls, and then we'll come back together at the ceremony, and then our focuses are usually on different areas. My focus is usually on, you know, the bride and getting her coming down the aisle, where she's more focused on the groom and his reaction to seeing her. You know, I'll try and spin around and get a few of those myself, but if I know she's focused on those, then I can keep my focus entirely on, you know, on the bride. You know, and then at other times she's assisting. So like during family photos, for example, she's there more to kind of help organize. She's watching for small details. She's fixing, you know, chains and buttons and, you know, boutonnieres and whatever else might, might be going on um, and kind of helping out while I'm doing the shooting. You know, and then, you know, during the formal part, I'm doing most of the shooting and then she's kind of catching maybe the different angles or catching more of the in-between moments or more of those candid kind of moments or just, you know, when the bridesmaids are off to the side doing their thing while I'm shooting the bride and groom, maybe she's capturing a few candidates of them. So that's kind of how we, we work together in terms of, you know, my second shooter. But mm -hmm. um, 
Robert, you you brought this up in a previous episode, I think, in terms of your how you like to use your second shooter. In some cases, you have them doing a lot of the, like the formal family photos and mm-hmm. and some of the you know things where you like to be behind the scenes and catching some of those more candid moments. Yeah, I mean, it's like almost like I actually play the role of second shooter at times, um, and second shoot at my own weddings. So when what you were referring to is like a lot of times when we're doing the bigger family groups, I will actually direct. Um, so I deal with the client and the people and put mom and dad and grandma and aunts and uncles and place them and get them all set. And then I'll step to the side and then let my photographer uh, shoot that group. And, you know, I allow, he might arrange, um, you know, I'm one guy that I particularly work with a lot and has worked with me for many, many, many years that I trust. So that, that is important to note. You have to have someone that you really trust. Um, but... Uh, so I'll direct that, and I deal with the families, and I think it just goes a little bit smoother because um, I'm kind of just the friendly director, and then he's pushing the button. He'll refine, you know, if people aren't exactly where they need to be, or, you know, we communicate, the two of us, the whole time. Um, another situation, um, I don't like to shoot processional. I probably haven't shot a processional in 10 years, hmm. uh, but I let my second shooters do that. But I stay in the back of the church, the aisle, wherever we are. I spend the last 20 minutes with my bride and her girls and parents, whoever are walking down the aisle, and sort of shoot those behind-the-scene moments as, as they lead up to the wedding. And then I do get a reverse angle of the bride going back up the aisle. Um, you know, during the ceremony, um, we both, like, you know, my second shooter, Josh, I mean, he has his own business, but we've been together for you know, years, and he shot with me, like, we don't even have to talk. Like, we literally could not talk to each other at a wedding. Hmm. And we know what our roles are. (laughs) You know, during the ceremony, he'll flank one side, I'll flank the other. You know, we get close-ups of, you know, each person giving bows, or, you know, if he's under the chuppah, if it's a Jewish wedding, and I'm like, wow, it's kind of tight or whatever, I don't need to be under there because I trust him, and I'll go in the back and shoot wides. And there's the same instances where that's reversed. Like, if he knows I'm up under there and we both can't be on either side, then, you know, we kind of do that. During reception, a lot of the times, I'll even shoot available. He'll shoot flash. But, you know, we'll communicate toasts. You know, all right, you get tight, I got reaction. You know, you get the person talking, I got reaction. or And we'll switch that up a lot. But I think the key here is to make sure that you have a good second assistant that you can trust and that you're confident in. Um, for those of you that are kind of, you know, it's new to you or you don't have regular ones, um, then yes, you need to take charge because ultimately at the end of the day, you are the one responsible if those images are not there or bad. Yeah. So that's a great that's a great segue into the next question that I had, and that's how do you go about finding a great second shooter. I mean, I found my second shooter in a bar 13 years ago and married her, so that worked out okay for me. But I don't think that's the usual way that people go about finding their second shooter. I bet she works for cheap, too. Well, (laughs) some days. (laughs) So, Brian, let's start with you. In terms of, I mean, obviously your wife is your assistant slash second shooter as well, but for those maybe who aren't working with their spouse, Mm -hmm. um, what are some ways to find a second, you know, a good assistant or a good second shooter. I see all kinds of like Facebook groups out there and people sometimes pulling into some random person that they've maybe never worked with or met in person before. What, what are your kind of thoughts on where to go about finding and getting a good second or assistant? Okay, so it's probably, again, um, not surprising for you guys and perhaps even for our listeners at this point um, that I probably have some pretty strong opinions on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> is the word intention in here somewhere? I'm going to guess it is. Um, okay, but to, 
and th this is why I have this a strong opinion about this. If you were to look at any other business and, and, and like remove photography from it, let's say that you're opening it, like you run a cafe or you have an insurance agency or you teach music lessons, like whatever your business is, explain to me a time where you would just randomly reach out to someone that you have no relationship with, had never worked before, and invite them on the one thing that you make a living from. Like when we really think about that for a second, a wedding day is where we make our money. That is the only place as wedding photographers where we make our money. Like what we do on that wedding day is what provides our living and our career and our lifestyle for the rest of the week, the rest of the year. Um, I can't imagine a time where I would just bring some random out to a wedding and trust them on a day like that because that's where I make my living. That's, that's a, a pure reflection of me. If I'm going to make that client happy, it's on that day. If I'm going to get referrals from anyone at the wedding, it's going to be from what I do on that day. And so for me, it's super important to have a really strong relationship and really uh, understand who it is that you're bringing out with you as a second shooter because they are a reflection of you. And so I really don't think that we should just be doing, I see this all the time and it drives me nuts when I see photographers on Facebook publicly saying something like, hey, I need a second shooter for tomorrow. Who wants to come? It's like, are you kidding me? If I was a groom and I saw my photographer posting that, I'd be like, I'm paying you how many thousands of dollars for you to do a Facebook posting the night before saying, hey, can I have a second shooter? Anyone will do that has a camera. Like, Come on, really? So, so my opinion, to kind of get to the crux of the answer, now that I've gotten the rant out of the way, is that I really think that, A, we should be like interviewing second shooters like we would interview any employee that we hire because they're as important, if not more important, than anyone else that's involved in our business because they are a direct reflection of us. But I think that it should be the same person consistently. I think that you should have that kind of consistency, much like how Robert says how he, he understands how his second shooter thinks and his second shooter understands how he thinks. Bruce, I think for you and I, it's the exact same thing. Like our wives understand how we are because we have that built-in communication mechanism. Right. So just with yeah. one look, we know exactly what they're thinking and they know exactly what we're thinking. Well, we have that. We're lucky because it's our wives. But I think that we need to have that same level of understanding and that same uh, sort of um, mutual – kind of. Yeah, that, sa that same – like you have to communicate on the same level. And you can't do that if it's someone that you don't know or don't have a relationship with. So in short, well, I guess – in long turn short, um, I think that you should interview for a second shooter and have someone that's consistent at every single wedding so you can develop that kind of deeper relationship with them. So, so what you're saying is... a little bit? Sorry? <laughs> yeah, yeah go I for interject it. a little yeah, bit? Yeah, do it. Yeah, I want to find out how you found your second well, shooter. Well, so the millions of our listeners right now are thinking, really, they have a million listeners? Um, <laughs> they're thinking, well, okay, even if I interview them, then how do I actually know how good they shoot. So one of the things that I do, of course, I get a lot of people that ask me to second shoot. Right. I mean, so I get the flood of people, can I come shoot with you? Can I come shoot with you? Mm -hmm. And I've always been as gracious as I can over the years about allowing not anyone, but like the people that are really persistent and follow through or, or you know, the magic works. But what I will do is I don't care how good you are. Like I've had Brooke students come to me. I've had kids that just love photography off the street, and some of the kids off the street were better than the Brooke students. But I let them come to a wedding with me as a third shooter, and I say I, you know, I kind of tell them what I want. I want you to shoot a motion. I want you to shoot whatever. I said just have fun all day long. I just want to see what you see. 
because I want to see what their eye is. So going back to, you know, like people come to me from, a, you know, Brooks and say, oh, I'm just this great photographer, and they were terrible. Hmm. And then, you know, I had this one guy, this is the funniest story, this one guy came into my studio one time, and uh, Josh, who's my second shooter who worked for me for a long time, he's like, oh, my gosh, wait till you see this guy. I walk into the room. And you got to give the guy A for effort. But, I mean, Eager Beaver, he had a tripod and everything strapped to his belt and everything, like, coming in to see me. And I had to, I had to kind of, like, not laugh in his face. But I gave him A for effort. And he just loved photography. And he had just this basic portfolio that was just, you know, you, I could tell he had an eye, but it wasn't professional. But I let him come out and shoot, and he was pretty damn good. You know, so you never know, but I think um, I think you know you just have to. I think that's how I do it, anyways. Allow them to come as a third shooter, fourth shooter, however many seconds you have. Um, you know, we can get into the ethics of that, but um, you know, and just see what they see. You know, and then you know you can actually, and not even just what they see, but you can see how they dress when they come to your wedding, how they deal with the guests. I mean, all those little things that are going to be important. Their attitude. So anyway, that's my interjection. Yeah, that's a good that's a good segue. So I guess my idea of a Tinder app for matching photographers <laughs> with seconds is not not gonna take off then, Brian. You don't think so? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's healthy for our listeners to hear these different opinions and perhaps maybe like we can hear some some other thoughts in here, Bruce, maybe get you to chime in too. But um I, I actually just for me I don't agree with that model that Robert's talking about, and that's and and again, that's where it's, I think it's totally fine that we have yeah. views on it. Um, but I would rather not treat a wedding day that I've got a couple paying me eight thousand dollars on as a test where I'm seeing whether or not someone's going to fit me and my brand or not. Because here's the thing: if they're not, then I'm all of a sudden introducing that person to my clients, and they're also going to pay for a meal for that photographer, and and so on and so forth. And so for me, I don't like to treat it that way. I'd rather bring them out to a, a mock shoot. I'd rather look at their portfolio. I'd rather do some other kind of testing that isn't a wedding day that is where everything is uh, everything is on the shoulders of my wedding day. And I would rather not treat the wedding day as that test. And that's just me, though. I don't let I don't let my third shooters eat, so there's not a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. If you want to shoot with Robert <laughs> Evans, you have to come to a wedding day, and you don't get to eat. <laughs> and just be persistent, because then he'll actually let you come out. <laughs> I've done yeah. that before too. Where actually, I mean, some of them have stayed the whole day because, again, the effort that they want to put in. But yeah, you know, where I'm like, just come for you know through the ceremony, and then you can go. You don't have to stay for the reception. I just right. want to see what you see. And my clients never see those pictures. I mean, unless right. they're amazing, I'll throw one or two in. But it's really just a test. Right. Yeah, we have used. You no, know, there have there have been a couple instances where we were looking at bringing some somebody else on as either an assistant or maybe a third, kind of as a backup second shooter. Um, you know, just in case there's there's some instances where my wife can't be with me that day or what whatnot. And so we, um, I'm fairly involved with Nate, which is our local kind of polytechnical institute where they have a photography program. And there's a there's a few different ways. I do some uh, mentorship there. I do. Um, they have like a critique. Uh, course and I'm a guest speaker there and things like that. So I get to know the Nate students fairly well and quite often a lot of them, you know, there's at least a handful of them that are, that are interested in getting into wedding photography and so that's, I found that's a resource in terms of finding 
good potential second shooters or good assistants. And what we've done um, in the past with them is actually had them come out as, as like kind of like Robert, um, not necessarily to shoot, um, to kind of come out to observe, maybe help us a little bit with, you know, carrying gear. We said it's not glamorous work, but it's going to give you a feel for what a wedding day, typical wedding day is like. And sometimes they might find after that that, you know, maybe weddings aren't their thing. Maybe it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Um, but, it, you know, if we find that, that, it, that it works out, you know, then we might bring them to another wedding and, and let them shoot a little bit. And like you see, sort of like Robert, see what their eye is like, see how they capture things, see what they see. Um, I know some other photographers in town here that I also second shoot with. Sometimes they'll bring on somebody and that's all they'll have them do is just accompany them on the day. They're not there to shoot. Um, they let the couple know that they're there as kind of a student intern um, just to observe. They get Obviously, they get the you know approval from the client first to make sure that they're okay with them coming. Um, and they just want to sort of assess and see, you know, what do they show up in? I was at, you know, I was second shooting with them once and they had, you know, this person show up and they showed up in jeans and, you know, in a shirt and they just said, you know, sorry, go home. And they yeah. just sent them right away and they said, that's basically it. Like one strike, they're out. Like yeah. if that's how they show up to a wedding, that's, you know, it's, it's going to be a reflection, you know, on their business. So, you know, that's a, sort of a, a bit of a hybrid, I guess, between Brian and Robert is that, you know, I've seen that model applied where you can kind of bring somebody on to sort of not necessarily third shoot, but just kind of be there and sort of observe them, see how they interact with people. Right. And I think the important thing is, like, I mean, that's a great thing. Like, I love that Brian shares his opinion because we all have a different view on it. And, you know, our listeners just need to, you know, take the, what resonates with them. Exactly. You know, they can take the advice, but, like, think what resonates with them and how it works with their business because what yeah. I do may not work, you know, so... Yeah. So what? So if you're looking for a second shooter or even an assistant, what are some of the qualities? What are some of the things you're looking for in a good second shooter or in a good assistant? Robert, I'll throw it let's to you. Do, okay, let's do do's and don'ts. So okay. great habits of second shooters, and we're all going to have different ones, um, and then we'll do don'ts. Definitely don't as a second shooter. <laughs> um, I like a second shooter. I think that's... Um, that works hard, of course, that shows up and is excited, um, that, of course, we just touched on that, dresses appropriately, um, and and thinks, you know, outside of the box or thinks ahead of me, anticipates for me, um, you know, just ask, can I get you, or, you know, whatever. I mean, they, you know, especially in, in the beginning, but, I mean, shooting what I'm not shooting, um, someone that you know, reminds you, like, time sync, of course, that's super important, so maybe someone at the beginning of the day reminds you, you know, hey, Robert, we need a time sync. Oh, crap, I forgot. Yeah, we do. You know, things that are going to save me time and effort later, um, I like someone that is, you know, polite and presentable to my clients, as I work with a higher-end clientele, so, I, you know, I have to consider who can I put in front of, you know, my client as well. Um, what are some of the other things? that don't complain, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a long day. I pay, you know, one flat rate, and whether we work nine hours or 12 hours, you know, that's what it's going to be. Um, you know, that's, I think, super important. Um, and somebody that's detail-oriented that, like, you know, kind of, you know, does the things, and that really just uh, has my back, I guess. They're going to shoot the things that, you know, I didn't see, and um, so those are just some quick... You know, I'm sure I'll think as as you guys tell more, I'll think of other ones. But. So those are the good do's. 
Brian, how about you? What are some of the things you would look for in, in a now? Bar, no, aside from the things you look for in your wife. <laughs> so it's okay. So, so long hair, attractive, yeah. has eyes, family lies, values yeah. as I do. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I, I've actually so you guys know uh, you know what I'm doing through Sprout and you know we're building the software and we've got a team here that we've been building. So actually over the past six months or so, I've actually gone through this sort of you know hiring process reiterated many, many times. Um, certainly it's not to the same level of, or not the same level, but it's different than hiring a second photographer or a second shooter or an assistant, but I've gone through the hiring thing to sort of figure out what I'm looking for, what I'm not looking for. And I'll tell you one of the things that I've really learned is that, um, and this is something that's preached in the, in the HR and the leadership world all over the place, but it's hire for the person, not for the skill. Now I know that that's kind of hard to say uh, to sort of stand strong on that in like a creative space like photography because you don't want to hire someone that's like a really dynamic person and then they're like a crappy photographer because that's, you know, not going to work. But I think in general, I always put more emphasis on the person and the personality and what they're like as a person than I do necessarily on their skill set because skill set can be learned and if they have the kind of personality where they're open to learning and they're independent and they're driven, then they can learn at a rate that's going to be much faster than someone that has really crappy habits um, that might be a good shooter but isn't open to learning or growing or changing. So for me, I, I would always recommend, uh, and, and also because like I've already said, this second photographer, this assistant is going to be a reflection of you, your brand, and everything that is your photography business to your client and to their guests. And so I would rather hire someone that is a really great person to have with me on the wedding day and is a great solid reflection of my brand. Um, that maybe has work to do on their photography skills, I'd rather hire that person over someone that's an amazing photographer but is a jerk on the wedding day. So right. for me, that's always where I'd put the priority. And again, that also comes down to that whole question that I said earlier, like who are you hiring and why are you hiring them? If it's an assistant, I don't need them to have any skill set coming into it. I just want to have someone that's easy to get along with, is open, is quick to adapt to things, and I can just show them what I need them to do. If it's a shooter, then sure. I mean, I want to, that sort of narrows my pool down because I need to know about photography and how to shoot. But I'm still going to hire for personality before I hire for anything else, or at least put more weight on that side of the equation. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, it's it's a big part, right? And it's I say I still second shoot today for a lot of photographers, and one of the some of the feedback that I get is they just really enjoy working with me. So the personality right. is something that they remember, and and I think has a more lasting impression than sometimes than even the images. Mm -hmm you know, that they, that they take, you know, it's, they'll remember the experience they had with that person. So like you say, if you, if you bring somebody on board, who's maybe a complete opposite to you and is maybe loud and gregarious and you're more quiet and soft-spoken, you know, the, the couple maybe were, were attracted to you as the photographer initially. And then you bring in this other person that's a complete, you know, contradiction to what they were expecting. Mm -hmm. It can create a bit of a weird dynamic. So I think if you're considering becoming a second shooter, I think one of the things to, to consider is, is sometimes you, you have to learn to maybe check your ego a little bit at the door or maybe check your personality a little bit at the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't want robots. We want people to show their personalities, but maybe right. if you're like an over-the-top type of personality, you want to match your personality a little bit to the photographer you're going to work with mm -hmm. and kind of almost be a little bit of a chameleon and be able to assume a bit of a, a you know, a different character somewhat yeah. so that you're not, you know, being this dominant personality sort of overtaking the main photographer. Yeah. Um, 
it's easy to come in, I think, especially if you have experience, maybe to come in with a bit of an ego and say, you know, things like, oh, carry, I got to carry bags or, oh, I got to go get Robert more water or, you know, whatever, right, whining and complaining. I think you have to kind of, if you want to get ahead in the industry, I think you really have to kind of, you know, you got to take those experiences. You're going to learn from those experiences and you have to be, be, be prepared to kind of check your ego at the door and mm -hmm. not see those things as being like beneath you. We've seen that sometimes where students come out of school Right, and they don't have any experience yet, but they just think because they've been through school that now they're you know the best thing in the, in the world, and they don't you know carrying bags or doing things like that is kind of beneath them. So I look for initiative, I look for willingness to kind of learn, adaptability, um, and per, like Brian said, personality is is a big thing. Obviously, we want to you know we want them to have a good eye, and skills can be taught to a certain extent, but yeah. I don't have time on the day to teach them what aperture and f-stop is so hopefully yeah. they're going to come to me with those you know with those skills but um you know some of the other some of the other things can be learned through experience i think yeah a good exercise i think for addressing all the photographers out there that have experience have been shooting for weddings for a long time and i've actually done this go second shoot a wedding with a friend of yours you know go do it and and be the one that's the second shooter now i mentioned josh before i think we've worked together forever now i've shot second for him on jobs um you know, where we've just gone out and done it. And, you know, I let him be my boss and like, you know, he'll say stuff to me like, because, you know, I've been doing this forever and I let my second shooters do a lot of the stuff that I don't want. So now I have to go shoot the things that I don't like shooting, <laughs> like cocktail photos and, you know, things like that. And it's really, you know, and, and he'll be like, go oh, do that. You know, he'll, you know, get on me. And it's, it's really interesting to be on the other side of that. Um, so it's a really, really good exercise to actually second shoot, you know, yourself, you know, as a lead photographer. So, I mean, it's it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'll second shoot at anybody's wedding, but it's going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you can hire me. <laughs> so a question I want to ask you guys a little bit about um, kind of training, equipment, that type of stuff. So um, when, you, when you find somebody, let's say you go through this interview process or, you know, you network with other photographers and you find somebody that's interested in becoming an assistant or a second shooter, um, do you provide any type of, of training and do you expect them to come with their own equipment or do you provide gear for them? What's, uh, what's your thoughts on those? Go ahead, Brian. Okay, so again, um, I, I don't have second shooters, so I just, I'll, I'll kind of weigh in quickly and then let you guys, because it sounds like you guys use them perhaps more than I do, but my opinion would be if you're hiring a second photographer, then it's expected that that photographer brings their own equipment and brings their own skill set. You're not necessarily training them. However, if you're hiring an employee that's going to be a second photographer for you and be a part of your company, then yes, I think going putting them through training is totally reasonable. Um, I think with anyone, there's going to be a certain level of setting of expectations. Like even if I were to bring another photographer out that uh, already is a professional photographer and I want them to second shoot for me, um, I'd want to sort of educate them on here's how I do things, here's how what's here's what's expected of you. So, you know, training per you know, is it actual formal training? No. But there's gonna be sort of a, a reset of expectations, I think, either way. I think that's important to do. But I think that um, in terms of, you know, whether they have equipment and all that kind of thing, I, I think if you're hiring a second shooter, then that's expected that they bring that kind of thing with you. Unless of course you're hiring someone to be a part of your company, in which case um, you should be providing that kind of stuff for them. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Yeah, I agree with I agree with all that. Um, and I would expect them to have their own equipment. Um, I like what Brian had to say uh, about you know someone that's presentable and malleable and not necessarily skilled. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because here keep in mind if you're second shooting for a photographer that's been doing it for a while, you're getting a great education. 
you're, you know, a lot of times why people second shoot is because they don't have their own businesses yet mm-hmm. and they want to work towards that. And it's such a catch-22 in today's world because when I, you know, was coming up in the business, I worked for three studios and then went out and opened my own business. And now as a second shooter, yeah, you want to shoot weddings, but how do you get to shoot weddings because you don't have samples? So then you go out and second shoot to try to get some samples, but you shouldn't really be using those samples as your portfolio, you know, if it's, you know, we haven't done the don'ts and that's one of them, but, you know, it's it's about having ethics or, um, you know, that, like, again, going back to Josh, who's worked with me forever, I mean, he he's always been just a great guy, like, you know, a mention, and he's always had my back and he's honest and, like, whatever Josh wants to use, I don't care because he's an amazing photographer, but, I mean, if you're new and you come and work with someone you don't just go take pictures at their wedding and then start putting them up because you know what my feeling is with that? And I had somebody do that to me years ago. Like you did not earn the right to be at that four seasons wedding that I was shooting. And now you're taking photos at it and pretending like you did. And that's what it looks like. If you stick those on your bloggers, Oh, look at this really beautiful wedding that I did. No, you didn't earn the right to be there. So that goes back to like you have to have an agreement. Um, you know, I one of my picks a few weeks ago was Law Togs, and there's contracts there too for the photographer and the second shooter a, as an agreement. But I don't want to go off on that tangent. We can we can do our don'ts, but that's definitely a don't. You need to have ethics, and uh, you need to communicate that with whoever you're working for about how you use those images. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is that setting that expectation and having that communication ahead of time and making sure that both, you know, the photographer and the, you know, the second shooter are on the same page as far as, you know, image use and and where those images can go. Um, you know, can they use them in their portfolio? Can they put them up on their blog? Can they, you know, put them up on Facebook? Um, you know, everybody has different policies and different you know, things I think it's important to have a policy in place for your studio and you want to stick to that policy, uh, particularly if you're working with more than one second shooter. You know, I know several photographers who they don't have one main second shooter. They may have a couple of second shooters just because I think a lot of times a lot of second shooters, you know, myself included, also may have their own businesses. Um, so they may be shooting their own weddings separately, you know, and doing second shooting maybe on the side or as they get you know, as they get more experience, they start to, you know, pick up more weddings. So having a policy in place, I think, is really important for a studio and really thinking about, you know, what are the implications of somebody else using those images? Um, you have to consider your client's expectations. You know, what are their thoughts on, in terms of sharing the images? We have some clients that we work with that are very private and they don't want their images shared online or on social media or on a blog. So you want to make sure that that's communicated, I think, to your second shooters as well and make sure they understand the policy and agree agree to it. So definitely having policies in place um, is certainly important as well. Otherwise, you know, who knows what can happen, right? You got to make sure you set those expectations and have those, have those conversations with the second shooter. Well, it has to go beyond the conversation too. I mean, you know, I hate to get back into the legal part of it, but I know there's like some serious contracts because then it comes also to like, you know, who owns the images, you know, technically if you push a button on a camera, it's your copyright unless otherwise signed your rights away. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, that you know, maybe we could do a future show and, and have, um, I forget her name, what's the girl? Rachel's her name. Rachel, Rachel. And have her on and let's talk about, you know, some just legal issues and that could be one of them, you know, the agreement between the second photographer and the photographer and, you know. Yeah. Brian, what are your thoughts on uh, you know the second shooters and using the images for their, for their portfolio or if they're wanting to build a portfolio? What, what's your take on that? 
if I'm paying you to be there to shoot for me on a wedding day, you are working for me. Sing it, brother! And the images are mine, and you're shooting for me, and you do not have the ability to share those images and pass them off as your own. Um, yes, I'm very strongly opinionated on that, but also it's because I think there's I been agree. so much gray line, gray area on this conversation, and like for crying out loud, again, like what are we doing here as a business? If I'm hiring you to photograph for me and I'm paying you good money, which I would pay a second shooter good money, that is not your wedding. You do not pass that off as your wedding. You cannot build your portfolio with that wedding. If you want to build your portfolio and you want to be second shooting for me, I'm not paying you. You're basically interning with me. In fact, if anything, you should be paying me. You know what I mean? Like It's kind of like what Robert says. It's like, gosh, I, I have students all the time that are asking me to second shoot with them, and I always say no at a wedding because I'm not going to bring a student out to learn from me at the one point in my business where I actually make my living on the wedding day. And so if you want to learn from me, a, I'm definitely not paying you. B, you're probably going to be paying me. And I don't mean to say that from an egotistical standpoint, but I'm saying, like, what's, let's look at the options. If you want to learn how to be a wedding photographer, what are you going to do? Either A, you're going to, you're going to try and sort of tread in the deep end, possibly fail, make a bunch of mistakes, and upset a bunch of clients over an extended period of time. B, you're going to go to school for photography and pay a lot of money to do that. Or C, you can go and second shoot with someone that already knows what they're doing. Why is there not value in that just as much as there's value in paying to go to school? So if you're going to go and learn to be a photographer, if you're going to intern, I mean, look at the whole idea of interning or apprenticing. They don't get paid. You are basically getting education, and in exchange, you're lending your time and talent to that sort of master apprentice kind of model. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand on it. If, if, you, if I'm paying you as a second shooter, those images are mine. At the end of the night, you give them back to me, and you never actually see them afterwards. Uh, if you're coming out as a second shooter and I'm not paying you, and we have an arrangement where you're doing it for experience, I think that it needs to be discussed what the expectations are with those images. Again, I think it needs to be a verbal conversation to make sure expectations are clear, but also it needs to be a legal contract that you both sign and both agree to. So that's sort of where my opinion stands on that. And photographers that are out there going, well, how do I make sure that I get all the images? One thing you could do is you supply your seconds with, with cards. That's exactly and what the I day You take those cards back. Yep. And that kind of solves that problem. Exactly. And I guess, you know, really, if you had someone where you suspected maybe was doing it, well, you shouldn't be hiring them. But, you know, a lot of cameras have two card slots these days. So, you know, you want to make sure, here, this is the only card that's in this camera. Yep. Excellent. So maybe just kind of, um, do you guys do you guys second shoot? That's kind of a bit of a of a wrap up. Um, do you guys? Because we never did don'ts. So that we just touched. Yeah, them. yeah. Actually, yeah. Let's do the don'ts. Yeah. Let's go speed it. round don'ts. Speed One round don'ts. <laughs> Bruce, go. Don't hand your business cards out at a wedding to uh, to the other people that are there if you're second shooting. Amen. Uh, don't look at your Facebook and or post images from that wedding on your Facebook or any other social media page. I will extend that and say, don't pull your phone out at the wedding. Don't drink. Don't hit on the bridesmaids or groomsmen. <laughs> that was going to be mine. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. I would say uh, I have a do that, that's followed with a don't. Do be personable, but don't pretend like this is your wedding. So don't talk to the bride and groom as if they're your client. I want you to remember that you are there for me and you're representing me and you are a representation of my brand. So be personable, but don't treat it as if it's your own wedding. Yeah, or to do go the extension on the business cards, don't market yourself to the florist and the wedding planner and the hotel person and the all those things. You're there representing whoever you're working for. Mm-hmm. 
don't share images on the back of your camera yeah. unless the photographer looks at them and says, yeah, you got to go show that to the couple. Yeah. Um, don't complain. You know, they're long days, you know, you signed up for it. There's such a sense of entitlement, especially in photography, but I think it's just in today's youth. <laughs> Kids these days. <laughs> Kids these days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to get far in life, you work hard. Like, just just give 110% of yourself, and people will recognize that, and you will move up a ladder faster than you know it. Um, I'm running out of quick don'ts here. This lightning round has now gotten ahead of me. It's, <laughs> my mind isn't thinking to that extent. Um, I'll pass and come back to me. Don't get drunk? Yeah, you said don't drink. Don't drink, okay. Don't yeah. make friends or like people's friends on Facebook, you know, even if you're the second, the bride and groom, the family. Oh my gosh, whatever. yes, that's like today's version of passing out your business cards. Don't yeah. add the bride and groom on Facebook afterwards and start talking with them as if, again, like they're your client. No, right. like you were representing me and my brand. I, I would say an extension even to that on the vendor side of things or even on the guest side of things, and I'll, I'll phrase it as a do because it's perhaps more positive. Whenever you talk to anyone on that, on that wedding day, make it very clear that you are there with me, that you are representing my brand. If you meet the florist, don't be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm XYZ from XYZ Photography, but today I'm here with Brian. It's like, no, I am shooting for Brian today, and right. that's who I am. Yeah, I, one of the I am things nothing else. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, one of the things you could do is ask the photographer that you're shooting with, hey, can you give me some of your business cards in case somebody asks? Good call. Right. And if somebody approaches the, approaches you and says, hey, can I have one of your business cards? You're actually pulling out you know, their business card and handing that out, right? Yeah. That's an initiative thing, right? You can show that initiative. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, if somebody came up to me and said, beginning of the day, and I didn't think about it, Robert, can I have like five or six of your business cards? So if someone asks, I'd be like, oh my gosh. You know, like that yeah. would speak volumes. I have another don't. Don't talk about anything technical in front of anyone other than each other. I've seen this, and just as a quick little side note, I've seen this in videographers where on the wedding day, in front of the bride and groom, as they're doing video, they're like, oh, what aperture are you on, man? What, what Calvin are you shooting on? Oh, what lens is that? Are you getting wide? Are you getting tight? It's like, and it just, for us, we get it, but the bride and groom are like, oh my gosh, like their eyes are glazing over and that's not the kind of experience that I want my brides and grooms to have. So if you have a technical question, if you have anything you want to talk about, either do it in private, whisper it quietly to me, don't do that openly in front of the bride and groom. No. Don't say anything inappropriate, you know, think about your language, you know, things like that. Um, one of the things I've noticed too that uh, when this is a little off kilter but kind of the same, like when I do destinations and I'm in a hotel and you get there, like, you have to watch what you say two days before you start that wedding because you have no idea who you're in the elevator with, mm -hmm. you know, before you see all the guests. So that's that's cool. super important. Just watch what you're saying and, you know, know who's around you. Good call. I have one more don't. Don't, uh, don't delete images as you're going along and shooting. So if you think you've taken a bad photo or something and you want to, like, delete it, that's where a mistake could happen and you could end up deleting wrong thing, you're hitting format, or who knows what you get end up doing. So just leave them, the photographer's not, we all make mistakes, all photographers understand that not every shot is going to be the perfect shot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't I still, just so people feel comfortable, 27 years later, I still shoot shit out of focus, I still, you know, like, have a bad exposure every once in a while, I still, you know, and yes, those get deleted later, but we're all human, and none of us, you know, not all 3,000 of our images on the wedding day are absolutely perfect. Don't expect that we're going to be stopping for food or drinks. Bring your own 
lunch bag with food and drink. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a pretty good list of do's yeah. and don'ts. I think we've covered a few. So hopefully that's helped anybody that's you know um, considering you know becoming a, a you know a, a second shooter or an assistant or you know looking to gain some experience or kind of break into the wedding industry. Do you think it's possible? Um, is there such a thing as a full-time second shooter, full-time yep. assistant these days? I think that's a great business model, actually. I think there should be more of those because I feel like there's so many really, and I mean, we've talked about this many times here on the show, guys. There's so many great photographers that just don't know how to run a business. And those kinds of photographers would make amazing full-time second shooters. They can just constantly do what they love. They get to be a photographer, and they don't have to worry about the marketing and the branding and the communications and like everything else that goes along with running a business. Um, I feel like, I actually feel like in the next five years, that market's going to open up even more. I feel like we need to see more full-time second shooters. Maybe we can lead the way with our podcast here and inspire photographers to say, hey, like if you don't want to run a business, that's okay. Like right now, if you want to be a wedding photographer, the only option is, well, I should open a wedding photography business. But I feel like that's flawed because you're setting photographers that don't like business up for failure. And so I would love to see more and more photographers that just love the craft of photography get into second shooting full-time. I actually second shoot probably about 15 weddings a year still. Awesome. Um, I work with about two or three other photographers on a regular basis. And I love second shooting because it, it kind of free, it's a little bit liberating in some ways because it kind of frees me, like you say, from all of those, when you're the main photographer, you're kind of, all the pressure's on you, you know, you have to get kind of those safe shots. When you're the second shooter, you can kind of, I feel I have a little more freedom to kind of play a little bit. I can experiment a little bit more. I can maybe try some things that maybe I wouldn't necessarily try you know, as the main shooter, I don't have to worry about the editing and the post-production afterwards, which is kind of, it's kind of freeing, um, which is kind of nice. And like I say, you don't have to deal with all the business side of things. So I actually really enjoy still second shooting. It's a great way for me to kind of round out my calendar. So when I'm yeah. not booked or during, during off-peak, you know, season, you know, there's a lot of photographers here that tend to get more of the off-peak season. And I love second shooting those. It kind of rounds out my calendar and, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it. So, well, and and even when when you look at the business mechanics of that of being of being you know perhaps even a full time second shooter, if you establish a really good relationship with some really you know high quality professional photographers and they expect of you high quality second shooting, you, you're no longer you know an employee. You're like that hired second shooter that can justify a pretty decent salary for that day because they can rely on you. They can expect things from you, and it's almost like something that they can pitch. To their clients, where it's like, no, no, I'm not just bringing someone that, you know, bought a camera at Best Buy last week. I'm actually bringing someone that does this full time, and all they do is second shooting. So a photographer, and again, guys, we haven't talked about pricing or anything, but a photographer could easily charge a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks as an add-on to add a second photographer, and then that photographer could then pass off eight hundred, maybe a thousand bucks to that second shooter. If you do the math on that, if you were to do, you know, thirty to forty second shooting gigs a year. You could make like a half decent salary making like doing that just shooting. Yeah, I know a lot. There's a few photographers that bring me along with them specifically when they have uh, venues where the lighting is going to be really challenging because they're more natural light shooters, and right. I bring a complement of you know off-camera flash skills and and you know equipment with me. So mm -hmm. I know you know if there's certain venues in the city that they know they're shooting at, they they'll usually call me and say, please tell me you're available on this date because you know it's it's a difficult or challenging right so it's amazing that's yeah, kind of there's like there's photographers that do you know what if you just shoot detail like the job that yeah. i did in new york this weekend we had 
five other photographers besides myself. It was a big job, but I had someone shooting detail that also kind of switched over and helped out cocktails. There was one person shooting uh, scenic candids uh, of the guests with New York City in the background and then two people printing those and giving them out. Um, and then I had a second shooter, and I think that's it. I think I covered everyone. But, you know, it depends on the job. So, um, you know, maybe if you love shooting detail, you could sell yourself to the photographer and say, hey, I'll come in and shoot detail at your events. And then maybe you only work three or four hours and you charge 500 bucks for it. Just yeah. detail. Amazing. You know, there's all sorts of ways to think about that. I, I think we're opening up. Like I just, I'd love to keep going on this. Maybe, maybe we we should stop. But I, I love the idea of like creating a business model around being a full time second shooter. I mean, like look at what we do as professional photographers. I mean, you you three of us, we've talked about this many times of creating what your brand is, what your style is, and putting it out there to the world for brides to hire you based on that style. What if you did the exact same thing, but instead of marketing to brides, you marketed to other photographers? Like, what if you were an amazing intimate photojournalistic shooter and like your whole thing was that you shoot with a 35 millimeter uh, lens and you just get into the moments and you get these beautiful captured images like you could pitch yourself to a photographer to say hey you do what you love to do on the wedding day I'm gonna get in there with all the guests and I'm gonna create some amazing moments that you can then give to your client on their wedding day oh my gosh like I would hire that photographer in a second if they were so uh, niched in what they could offer me as a second shooter that would be an amazing business model yeah Excellent. We've we've spawned a whole new business. We, could, we should we should register secondshooter.com and start start a little community there. Yeah. <laughs> hired hired gun for hiredgun.com. Hiredgun.com or something. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Well, I think we've given some people some some good information and some good yeah. uh, you know good food for thought on the, you know on the topic of second shooters and assistants. But of course, if you've got additional questions for us um, or you know we want to hear your feedback and your thoughts on the subject. Uh, be sure to comment on the blog post that's going to accompany this episode, or you can also email us, twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. So before we uh, wrap it up, we've got a couple more segments. We want to go on and uh, answer a quick listener question. And this week, our question, uh, it's actually a two-part question, so we'll see if we can... I want to start with part two, and we'll see how we, we do with part one. So this week's question is from Felipe Arroyo. And Felipe wants to know, um, as a business owner and photographer, how do you calculate how to pay the business and pay yourself as the photographer? And his second part of the question is, having a second shooter or assistant, what is the average pay for the second shooter or assistant? So I want to start with the second part, and maybe the first part of his question we can do a whole build maybe a whole show around. Yeah. It's a Caparici question. Caparici question. All right. Okay. Ryan, what, do you, what do you think? Um, first of all, let me just point Felipe to thisweekinphoto.com. Maybe we can even link to this, Bruce. But episode number five that we did, uh, the three of us, we talked about pricing on that episode. Yes. But I think that if you want to dig a little bit deeper into the pricing conversation, even though it's not specifically about paying yourself, it still is about pricing and calculating pricing, and we do get into some really good details on that. So I would suggest going to check that episode out to dig a little bit deeper into it. In terms of breaking down sort of how you pay yourself versus how you um, pay your business, I think, first of all, Felipe's mindset is definitely right. I love where he's at in saying that. Um, I am not my business, I am an employee of my business. And I think that we really need to have that kind of separation between church and state in our business of saying, okay, I, I'm working for my business, yes, but what salary do I want to make? And I think that you need to define that and then work your way up from there in terms of you know, figuring out what kind of income you need to make as a business owner um, and then what kind of income you need to make as a business. And again, that topic, like I, 
you guys know I've written a book on pricing. I've had this conversation many, many times. I've literally had this conversation in a four-hour seminar. So I don't think that answering it in like two minutes or three minutes here is going to do it justice. But um, but just you know, having that kind of separation is the first step. So I think Felipe is in the right direction. And then just you know, sort of saying, here's what I want to make as a living. Like, what would I make as a living elsewhere? Like, if I was a teacher, if I was a lawyer, if I was an accountant, what would I be making if I wasn't a photographer? Maybe that's sixty thousand dollars. Maybe that's eighty thousand dollars. Whatever that number is, you need to now design your business around letting you make that living and make that income from your photography business. So in terms of how you ensure that, you need to put yourself on payroll. And whether that's actually where you're putting yourself on payroll or you're just um, strict enough uh, to sort of take that same pay every single week and have it automatically transferred, whatever makes sense for you. But I think that um, separating what you make as a business and what you make as a personal income from your business I think is really important. So that's where I would suggest there. In terms of uh, having... I'll, I'll add on that before you, before oh, you yeah, talk about the same computer. So uh, there's sort of, again, you want to talk to your accountant. They're going to give you some advice. It depends also on how your business is structured. You right. may pay yourself a salary um, sure, yeah. or uh, what some people do is take a dividend out of the company and you'll want to mm -hmm. talk again to your investment person, talk to your accountant. They can probably provide you some advice in that area as far as how to actually pay yourself. Good call. Okay, sorry, back to you, Brian. Really cool, yeah, no, and then, I mean, in terms of paying the second shooter, again, um, I'll probably defer this question off to you guys because I don't do this, so for me, on those rare occasions that I have had someone, it's always been another professional photographer, and I believe in paying a good dollar for good quality, and so when I bring another second photographer out, you know, I could pay them anywhere from 1000 to $1,500 for their time on the wedding day. Um, I have no idea if that's in line with what everybody else charges. So I, Brian, I'm coming out to Niagara. <laughs> I defer to you guys to see Working what you think about that. I think the, the price of what you pay your second shooter is based on experience. Um, and, you know, like Brian just said, like how good they are and, you know, all those. Um, <clears throat> it all depends. I think... Um, you know, like someone that I that works for me, second shoots, you know, anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars, depending on a day, depending on where we are shooting. If it's local, it's probably less. If it's destination, it's more. Because you also have to consider if I'm taking someone on des destination, just like I would charge, they have to be stuck with me, even though we have a good time for two or three days. <laughs> so, so it's not just because you know the clients. You're gonna be, have to pay a lot for that, then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the clients will, you know, like even get people. I'm sure I get destination inquiries like, yeah, I'm getting married, and you know, we just need you for eight hours in Jamaica. Yeah, well, that's like three to four days of my time. Jamaica. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you have to kind of think the same way. Yeah. For your second shooters. Yep. I think, um, you know, when you are paying your second shooters, you want to also make sure if you want to get somebody that's reliable, that's going to be consistent, um, that you f and you find somebody that's good, if you pay them above average for what everybody else is paying, you're going to be the first person they're going to want to go second shoot for and want to work yep. for. So, you know, it might cost you, maybe it costs you an extra five bucks an hour or something like that. At the end of the day, that's what, you know, that's a drop in the bucket. But to have that reliability and to have that person, you know, you know, you can count on them. You know, I think paying, find out kind of what the market average is and pay above that. You're gonna, you know, guarantee you're gonna have that person. Or, or food for thought. Brian kind of said something like this. Um, you know, maybe if, as as the lead photographer, photographer is listening to this and you wanted to do it this way, uh, you could say, well, you know, normally I include, you know, a second shooter or whatever part of your package, however you do it. But uh, you have it in your package, like 
to offer to the client, do you want a premium second shooter? Oh, the premium mm -hmm. second shooter is my friend or another photographer and we do this for each other, but I have to pay them a lot more because they're really good. You know, do you want to pay an extra thousand dollars for the premium second shooter and then you tack that on and now you just paid for your second shooter or whatever you're going to charge them. So it's a something, a business idea you could do. Yep. I have an add-on to this conversation that kind of wraps up both of Felipe's questions. And, and again, this is this is me getting a little bit bigger picture thinking, but um, I believe that as the photographer that runs the photography business, you can pay uh, whatever you choose to pay. And and I think you can that can be as high or as low as you want it to be. I think what it ultimately comes down to is as long as that's budgeted in your wedding package, a.k.a. Don't just book a wedding and be like, oh yeah, I need to I need to pay for a second shooter. What what should I pay them? It's like, well, what did you budget in the package for that second shooter? Like, you know, again, if you go back and listen to Twip Weddings episode number five, where we talk about pricing and calculating your pricing, we really get into the to the the nooks and crannies of, well, you know, how do you even figure out what to charge for a wedding? And when you're calculating what those inputs are and what you want to charge for a wedding, you can say, I've budgeted a thousand dollars for a second shooter. So there you go. That's what you pay. If you want to bring in like top quality second shooters, you want to pay them two thousand bucks for the wedding day, then budget for it and you can do it. Like you can do whatever you want in your business. That's why we run our own businesses. You just make sure that you're budgeting for it and you're not saying, you know, oh, I'm gonna pay eight hundred dollars for a second shooter, and then all of a sudden you haven't budgeted for that. So Bruce, like someone like you or I, like this is just and I've actually run into this before. I'm so used to having my wife at the weddings with me, I actually don't have a budget for an assistant because it's my wife and I have this old breadwinner in the, in the family, and so I provide the income for the family. So on those few occasions where I haven't had my wife at the wedding because she's had previous engagements or whatever it was, I've kind of left myself in a bad position because now I have to pay someone to be there with me, yep. but I haven't budgeted for that. So I'm actually eating that expense. Yep. So that's not a good place to be, whereas as opposed to if you've budgeted for it, um, then at least you can, you can have whoever you want and pay them whatever you want to pay depending on what you've budgeted. Yeah, we had that happen last year when my wife um, had her cancer diagnosis and wasn't able to second shoot for some of the weddings that we had. And so, yeah, I did, you know, I had to bring in, uh, you know, some people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, that, you know, it was fine, but it was yeah. that extra line item that, you know, un unexpected, so. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, hopefully that helps Felipe a little bit with his questions. As always, uh, if you have a question for the show, just email us twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com and like Felipe, we may answer your question on a future episode. All right. Before we wrap things up, our last uh, segment is our picks of the week. And each episode, we will share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography or the business of photography. Mr. Evans, I'm going to throw it over to you. What have you got for us this week? I think you've got a couple of picks for us this week. Sorry. Yeah, I, the couple of just other places you can read up about this. Um, there uh, is a great blog called F-Stoppers, and there's an article there by Trevor Daly that wrote a lot about this. Um, and what was the other one that I put the other? Oh, yeah, the SLR uh, Lounge. They have some great topics and articles on second shooting. But uh, there's an app that I've had on my phone, and I downloaded it, and I've never really checked it out, but... Oddly enough, Brian, it's called secondshooters.com. Oh, and really? There's a, there's Damn, a, somebody stole my Tinder idea. There's a, there's a website that you can go to and you can see it, but it's for second shooting all over the world, and I think it works both ways for uh, photographers and um, 
as well as second shooter. So you can put it, you know, you can find a second shooter there. You can put yourself up there to be a second shooter there. Now I haven't really dug into it, but uh, it seems, you know, fairly extensive. I know it's been around for a while. Um, so again, you want to, you know, put yourself out there, get second shooter. You know, it's a it's a good place to go. So I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Awesome, Brian. What have you got for us? I totally forgot that Robert had actually chosen this one a few weeks ago, um, but I'm going to stick with it anyways because I really think that it's valuable. It's the lawtog.com. Yeah. Yep. So that's, I was going to second Rachel. that, so go with it. Yeah, good. There you go. So perfect. So so Rachel uh, runs it. Um, she's a lawyer and a photographer, so she has all kinds of contracts and agreements um, that you can go and purchase and then adapt for your own needs. My suggestion would be that they have a second shooter contract over there, so a lot of photographers listening right now perhaps don't have an agreement that gets them set up with the proper legal structure and the legal sort of wording and contracts for having a second shooter. Head on over there right now, thelawtog.com, and grab a second shooter agreement and start using it. Excellent. Great pick. Well, my pick this week, it's sort of not really related to second shooters per se, um, but it is about business and business planning. So my friend uh, Corwin Hebert, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Um, he runs the Tendim agency. He's uh, he's kind of a uh, he handles business for a lot of creatives. Um, one of his clients is David Duchemin. If you've mm. heard of David, he's the guy behind Craft and Vision. Um, so uh, last year, uh, Corwin released something called the Business Action Planner. And it's specifically for creatives um, and photographers. He works with a lot of photographers. And it's uh, you can either get it as a PDF or it comes as an Evernote um, workbook. And it's basically a, a planning guide to help you if you're just maybe getting started in your business or maybe you're you know in your business but you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants and you want to get better control of your business itself. It really walks you through all the, all the steps. And he has um, some associated, there's worksheets and different things. So it's a really great um, program. And Corwin's actually now starting to do some kind of hands-on um, one-day workshops kind of across Canada. And uh, I'm going to be uh, bringing him here to Edmonton um, to do a cool. workshop in Edmonton this fall. And we're going we're gonna to do that here. So I wanted to make the business action planner my pick for this week. Very cool. Yeah. And hopefully maybe we can even have uh, Corwin on on a future uh, episode to talk about this stuff great. as well. So Excellent. So again, we'll have links to everything uh, that we talked about, all of our picks and everything that we talked about on this show. Uh, you'll find them on the blog post for this episode. Excellent. So I guess that's it. That that brings us to the, the end of another another episode of Twip Weddings. You know, Brian probably has a meeting to run off to, and I think Robert's got a really important meeting to I run do. Off I have to a big today. meeting. Right a big meeting going on today. So <laughs> <laughs> big meeting. Big meetings. Awesome. Lots of people are going to be at it. Lots of people, like twenty, thirty thousand people. At least. Maybe? Yeah, there might there might be hot dogs and, and beer at this meeting. There could be. Could be. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy that meeting. As always, we want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Um, we want to hear from you, so be sure to send in your questions or comments for the show and share your thoughts by commenting on the blog post for this episode. So, uh, before we wrap up, what's everybody up to and where can our audience go if they want to find out what you guys are up to? I am up to no good, and if you want to find me... Uh, all easy, robertevans.com at the website, at Robert Evans on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, Robert Evans Studios, or Robert Evans 101 is my Facebook page. Um, but I'm primarily on Instagram and Facebook. Those are my places. I like to hang out. Nice. Mr. Caparici, where can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me at www.sproutingphotographer.com. That's my educational hub where I teach and write and talk about everything to do with the business of photography. Uh, we also have a companion podcast um, that you can find there. Yeah, what's going on? What's the latest? What have you got going on there? Who, who oh my goodness, we are just, we are doing crazy fun things. We've got partnerships with Shoot.Edit, with um, SPTV, which is Sandy Putch. Um, we're doing all kinds of different collaborations and interviews. We do uh, two episodes every other week and three episodes every other week. So uh, we've got lots of fun and exciting things happening over there. Basically, what we do is is I sit down with uh, another photographer, another business expert, an author, and I just dig deep into a particular business topic and really get into some of the actionable content in there. So that's really what we're about is no fluff, actionable, step-by-step, process-driven business advice for photographers. So if you want to dig a little bit deeper or uh, you know get some advice on something specific in your business, um, there's a good chance that we've covered that at some point, whether it's on the podcast or in an article. So sproutingphotographer.com is uh, everything, Brian. And uh, I've talked about it a few times here on the show, and I'll just mention it again. We are building Sprout Studio. Um, we're sort of, it's again, still deep right now in development or finishing up the development. Uh, we're growing our team. We're up to 10 now, and we're hiring another developer. So uh, we are coming out with the industry's first all-in-one studio management software. So studio management, online galleries, album proofing, sales, marketing, um, questionnaires, invoicing, everything that you would need to do to run a successful business. Um, Sprout Studio has the tools within it to allow you to do that. And remember, if you want to work for Brian, you don't have to know how to code. You just have to be a nice person. He'll teach, yep. He'll teach you how to code. Yes, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have all kinds of emails now. <laughs> That's what I'm up to, though. Bruce, how about you? Excellent. Well, um, busy, busy. It's it's wedding season. Um, I am also in the process of um, becoming a master uh, at the Arcanum. Oh, cool. Which is Trey Ratcliffe's um, sort mm. of uh, mentorship um, website that he set up there. And so I'm just kind of getting into the process. Um, I have some work to do to get myself, you know, ready. And then hopefully I will start taking on cohorts on the Arcanum. So be on the lookout for that um, coming soon. So, yeah, busy doing that. And then, yeah, we're just knee-deep in, in wedding season here. So I uh, survived an 18-hour Indian wedding that I second shot a couple weeks ago. So that was <laughs> fun. I'm awake and alive. But uh, otherwise, yeah, just busy shooting, editing, and, yeah, live, living life. Awesome. So if you want to find me, um, you can find me over at uh, my website, which is momentsindigital.com. There you'll find a blog and keep up with what we're up to. Um, if you're looking for me on the social networks, the Twitters and the Instagrams and, and whatnot, um, you'll just find me. I'm at Bruce Clark, and that's with Clark with an E at the end. Cool. Can, can I just give a quick plug? Uh, what um, what Peter and Trey are doing over at the Arcanum is really, really amazing. Um, they're really sort of rethinking what education looks like today and kind of having a bit of a gamification and, and sort of a new modern twist on what education is like and, and I think it's uh, it's really interesting. I think they've got a really good thing going. So I think anyone that's listening that is sort of interested in that sort of master apprentice model of learning and growing as a photographer, as an artist, as a business person, I think the Arcanum is a great place to go for that. Yeah, I'm uh, excited and really honored to be, uh, you know, I've been invited to it and uh, getting involved in it. So I'm looking cool. forward to it. So Cool. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. Be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com slash wedding. And once again, thanks for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. <laughs>